American songwriter. We had the opportunity to talk to Jameson, who is the author of the book Name Dropping, over Zoom video. Jameson is an author and a music journalist and just a huge music fan. He talks about how he got into music and his love for the same type of music that I grew up with, the emo pop punk scene, and this incredible book that he has. He did a couple tours with some artists. He's always been a music journalist. He wrote for magazines. He kept trying to get a job in the field of journalism, and it's just super hard to cut your teeth in that. So he started his own magazine, and that's what really, really launched his career. He was able to interview a bunch of huge artists, like August Burns Red and Anne Berlin. And uh, from there, he's interviewed a ton of bands. He's written for numerous media outlets and his new book sounds fascinating just stories of Anne Berlin and saves the day and MXPX the book is out June 29th once again it's called name dropping and if you're a fan especially of emo pop punk music this is right up your alley you can watch our interview with Jameson on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at bringing it backwards I love it if you subscribe to our YouTube channel like us on Facebook follow us on Instagram Twitter and our brand new TikTok page at Bringing Back Pod. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're Bringing It Backwards with Jameson, the author of Name Dropping. Hey, man, how's it going? I'm doing great, Adam. How are you? I'm great. Thanks so much for doing this. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for doing it so early, too. I don't know whereabouts you are, if it's early for you, but... <laughs> I'm in Nashville. It's like 9.30, not horrible. Oh, you're... You're good. I'm doing this right before I clock on for work at eight o'clock. So. <laughs> oh my. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Are but you? No, in I'm. I'm stoked. L.A. or something? Uh, Portland, Oregon. Oh, right on. Very. Yeah, cool. yeah. So, uh, end of uh, Portlandia is is our one claim to fame. I feel like lately. There you Still. go. <laughs> yeah, I'm from San Diego originally. We actually just moved here about three months ago, two and a half months ago. Oh wow. Are you yeah. liking it so far? Yeah, I love it here. It's awesome. I always say that if I could live, because I love living here, but Nashville, I think, would be my second choice. Like, it felt, I don't know, it felt a lot like Oregon, like in its weather and, and greenery and stuff. But yeah, oh, yeah. I love it there. It's awesome. Yeah, we're a little bit south in, like, the suburbs, closer to, like, Franklin, but... Um, oh, okay. Yeah, it's funny. Like, we, you, there, a lot of the, the pop punk guys live down here. Now, really? Down here, yeah. Like, Ryan Key and... Dashboard yeah. and a lot of these guys live like right around here. So it's pretty cool. Can you see my dashboard flag behind yeah, that's me? What, that's why I brought <laughs> him up. <laughs> not that they're not all over my book as well. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So let's talk about how did you get into music originally? Um, gosh, I I grew up going to church and stuff. And so I definitely started with like the newsboys, DC Talk, um, all those big bands. Okay. Um, and I I, I know that my first like obsession, my first like, okay, I'm really into this was MXPX, which is a lot of people's story. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Especially coming up uh, in, in the church and stuff, which whole other conversation as far as uh, those bands and stuff go. But that was definitely like the first obsession, the first like finding myself wanting to like know everything about the members and, and then eventually like, oh, I want to wear those kind of t-shirts. I want to have a ton of tattoos. Like, so that I think MXPX was definitely like my first big introduction into like, I might want to do something with this. Like I want to be able to talk to these people. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Did you play an instrument or did you try the rock star? 
I tried my, my brother played a little bit of everything, um, like piano and guitar and stuff. And yeah, for some reason I thought it'd be like easy to pick up. And I, I also, I'm just like, if I'm not good at something right away, I, I know I just get frustrated and give it up. <laughs> sure. So yeah, I think I, I think I probably bought an acoustic guitar two or three times in my life and was like, this is the time I got a, I got the book. I got the like, you know, guitar for dummies type style book. I'm going to do it. Uh-huh. And just, yeah, I remember eventually being like, it's my hands. My hands are too small. It's impossible. <laughs> if it's impossible, I feel fine about it. It's just yeah, not yeah. meant to be. Sure, <laughs> sure. Well, so you took the the angle of just taught, wanting to meet these people and, t- and talk to these people. That's kind of where I went because I didn't, yeah. I couldn't, I mean, I tried to play in some pretty bad bands growing up, but uh, mm-hmm. the bands were bad. I just wasn't very good. Um, <laughs> so I, this is my lane was more in the radio realm where I could, be around the people and, and kind of behind the scenes in that lifestyle, but not yeah. perform. <laughs> well, and, and like, I don't know about you, but I also remember thinking the more that I got to know, more that I had close actual personal friends that were doing it, were in bands and, and making it, uh, listening to music with them was, was way different. You know, like they would pick sure. apart something and I'm like, I almost don't want that. Like I want the magic of it. Right. I don't want to be like, Oh, they shouldn't have played this there. Like I didn't want this snobbery of knowing what i was doing (laughs) Uh, right right (laughs) yeah so how did you like because you're a you're a music journalist how did Mm -hmm. that start um i i would go to local shows and stuff a ton and that like i I remember like looking back and writing this book too looking back i was like yeah how did this how how do you really start that conversation and i think i was always just meeting bands and trying to figure out something like nice to say, like that sounds silly, but I, I felt like I was networking before I had a reason to. Right. Um, maybe just feeling like, well, something's coming down the road. Like this will come in handy. Um, but eventually I just started, I, the first thing I did was I started a music magazine with a friend who already had a radio station, an online station. And I think we were just hanging out one day and it was kind of like, man, my dream job would just be to, you know, work for a magazine. Uh, and what if we just started our own and just, you know, I, I feel like I've already been talking to some of these bands, like maybe I have enough contacts to like get the ball rolling. Mm-hmm. And so that was called Hope Corps. Okay. That was around for about two years um, based out of Idaho. And the more pretty much any in between time I had at Hope Corps, I was hitting up magazines like Substream and All Press um, and Amp at the time, which is mm-hmm. now New Noise. Uh, all those magazines in that realm to just be like, are you guys hiring in any capacity? All I had now was like my, my resume quote resume was just my own magazine. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. But thankfully because of some of those contacts, like our first cover was like Amberlynn. Wow. Um, yeah. So we got, we got really lucky in a lot of those ways. So I was able to build up, you know, like, Hey, like we've, we've had people like Amberlynn, like August Burns Red before they really broke too big. Um, and so I just had a little bit of a resume, just started freelancing for stuff like Substream, um, stuff like Amp and New Noise. And those are all, as you may know, like all unpaid <laughs> positions. Right, of course. But the but being being like 21, 22 and for one, you know, feeling like, of course, it's unpaid. I don't have a background. Uh, but hey, do you want to interview? Bring me the horizon tomorrow. Like, that's amazing. That, yeah, I don't care if I wasn't getting paid. Like that's, it's a resume builder. Uh, it feels amazing. <laughs> and a picture with the guys. <laughs> yeah. Right. And just, yeah. And just knowing, okay, well next week when I go to pitch, you know, for whatever other band I can be like, Hey, I just had bring me the horizon on like, right. Yeah. It just felt like a really, eventually a really cool, just ladder system that still is certainly still going today. 
<laughs> right. Well, wow, so were you just going like, were you finding because I feel like I was those that kid too, where I'd go to these shows and mm-hmm. the teen center shows and I'd get to see these bands. Like I'll talk to people in like the radio world that I knew that were a few years younger than me. And like, they'd be blown away. Like you saw like taking back Sunday when they just put out, like tell all your friends. I'm like, yeah, I did. Like, I don't yeah. know how I, you know, found them, but it, like I had friends that were like around the early adopters of the internet and finding these bands online. And then they yeah. see them come through town or maybe, you know, they were a band they they were playing with another band that I liked. And you just see these shows. Like, I know that you have, like, you on your Instagram, you take a picture of, like, a yellow card record and you have all the ticket stubs below it. Like, <laughs> was that you, too? Or did you go into these? Were you seeing these bands before a lot of people cared? Um, I, I think there's some. Like, we, as music fans, like, I think we all have that. Like, I saw them win, you right. know, band or two. Um, at the time, like, I certainly, you know, I, I couldn't say that I was watching Yellow Card like this is going to be, you know, a thing. Um, right. Not not in the sense that like you sure. say like that there would be any progress there, but it would be like, yeah, you, it was weird for me to see them. And then like the next time they came back and then I'm like, why are they playing this big? Like what? What is that? And like you'd kind of see them as they return, oh, yeah. get bigger and bigger and bigger, which was cool. But then like me as a, you know, <laughs> I was kind of frustrated because I'm like, now all these people are are taking what was mine and they're, oh, yeah. they're liking it now. And like, it was kind of like a, I don't know, jealous, not jealousy. I don't even know the word. Oh, to use, but. I, dude, I told, I totally get it. I, a friend showed me dashboard when I was 15 and it was right when places had come out okay. and uh, that, that record still, I just hold up so high. That's oh, just yeah. like a complete, you know, I've told Chris Grabba this. I was like, dude, all I listened to was like corn and Lincoln park and disturbed. And this girl gave me this album. And I remember taking it home and thinking, like, I think this girl's awesome. I'm no matter what, I'm gonna tell her it's great because she seems into it. And and then just like having it blow my mind. So um, I didn't see him for years, but he's like the perfect example of every fan has a story of like I saw him in a basement, I saw him in a VFW hall. Right. You know, he knew everyone's name because there was only 20 kids at the show, and seeing that like kind of anger, like I don't know, like anger is such a strong word, but that frustration later when he got really big. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like not a, it's yeah. I don't know how to explain it, but like was, I saw yeah. him on the so impossible EP came out and he was playing on a stool and he was opening for alkaline trio. And I was an alkaline trio fan. So I went mm-hmm. to see alkaline trio. I'm like, who's this dude just sitting on a stool playing acoustic yeah. guitar before like alkaline trio plays. And then he played hands down. Like this was the acoustic version yeah. before it became the the real version, the right? real the real version, quote unquote. <laughs> and then like, yeah, I was like, oh my god! So I bought the record because I just was blown away by him. But he only had a handful of songs out. Yeah, but, but yeah, it's not like an anger. I don't even know how to explain it. But it's just like this. There's, <laughs> I don't know. I, well, and I think in the I, I don't know. Like I'd love to see what you think, but I think in the emo scene specifically, there is like that ownership, that really strong ownership, like to answer your original question, uh, August Burns Red, I think is a big example where, uh, I had friends that listened to him, friends that introduced me to him and stuff. And they were, they were still playing decent sized venues. Um, but then I would have never guessed that they're Grammy nominated years later. Right. And you know, they have eight, nine albums, whatever it is. And they're just so massive and doing these world tours. Like I just, yeah, I would never would have guessed that. So it is really cool to have those memories for sure of like, even if you saw him with like a hundred people, you're never going to see August Burns there with a hundred kids again. Like, no. Yeah. But yeah, I think with the emo thing, there's, there's a really strong ownership. 
Yeah, it's weird. Like, yeah, I had that heartbreak. You didn't have that heartbreak. Like, (laughs) right, right. Like, you know, you found this artist when they put out, you know, make damn sure. And like, I've been, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, supporting these guys and loving them. And I've seen like 15 times before you, you know, it's like this weird. Oh, yeah. Explain it. I'm I'm a part of all these. uh, When I started doing marketing for the book, I joined all these like pop punk groups and music Uh groups on Facebook. And it is funny to see like the age range where someone, like you said, someone will be like, I've been listening to them since make damn sure. And you're like, right. You child. <laughs> right, exactly. That's an inter- well, for me too, it's like I'll interview people nowadays that are like in their, you know, mid twenties. And they're like, yeah, like green day changed my life. Like when American idiot came out, I'm just like, Oh man, I'm so old. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, when I was in college. Cool. Yeah, right, right, right. Dude, when like, I gave up on the band, you, you yeah. started liking them. Yeah, you're like when they had like their second or third wave of popularity for the American Right, movie. right. Um, you had you had Gavin Rossdale on. That was really yeah. recent, right? Yeah, yeah. That was yeah. cool to talk to him. I listened to that the other day and I was like, like, as much as I think, like, man, I've been listening to Taking Back Sunday forever, Green Day or whatever. I'm like, that that like razor blade suitcase and stuff was probably thrown on when I was like in fourth grade. (laughs) Oh yeah. That's uh, same with me. It's like, my friend of mine had, uh, he was just learning guitar and he learned, he learned glycerine and he's like, this is the song, man. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's good. Like I would hear it on the radio, but I wasn't really like attached to it until like I got the record and you know, 16 stone. And I'm like, okay, this is, this is awesome. But I didn't really, yeah, I wasn't a, like a huge fan of like that style of music quite mm-hmm. yet. I mean, I was, but I, what, I don't know. Certain bands didn't yeah. hit for me as quickly as like that was a great day did. Yeah. That was a great interview by the way. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, enough about this reminiscing about bands that we thought that were cool. And now <laughs> they're massive, but like, so tell me about this book. Like it's called name dropping. And as we, as I said here, name drop, um, yeah. <laughs> what, what, like, what was the inspiration for the book and what, what is it all about? Yeah, I started, um, I, I had been throughout, I'm 35 now. So throughout all of my uh, 20s, for the most part, I was either touring or just like at three or four shows a week doing interviews for different magazines. Um, when you say touring, and, you would just like follow bands or? What um, I, I, I toured with just two bands overall. Um, the one I did the most, they're called Fall Star. They're still around. They're on Face Down Records. Okay. Um, and I had just been friends with them for years. They, I, I credit them with a lot of like me testing out uh, interview stuff and testing out just like marketing ideas and all that. Uh-huh. Um, I, I still work really close with Chris, their singer to kind of, yeah, with a lot of marketing stuff with the band. Um, so they were nice enough to invite me out on tour a couple of times. And after, so after all that, I had, I had gotten kind of like, you know, quote, normal job. I had a desk job and stuff. I didn't really know if I was going to continue doing music stuff at all, as you know, it's can, it can be very not lucrative. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I didn't, yeah, I didn't really know where I was, I was going to go next. And I I was like, I know for one, I want to write down some of these tour stories and interview stories because I'm just, my memory's horrible. I'm just starting to forget things at 35 already. Um, So the initial plan was just to like write down as many as I could remember and maybe share them with friends, maybe just share them with the people that were there. And I think after a while, I just, I was writing in such a fury that I was like, this could be something, whether it's like, you know, a a blog a month or a blog a week kind of thing. Like, I think these are good enough stories. And eventually, eventually I just had so much that I was like, I had already put out a nonfiction book just on my own, just to kind of like a, let's see if I can do this thing. 
Yeah, um, I did see that on Amazon Echo Boom. Yeah, yeah. And that was just like kind of a thing I wrote in college and then kind of fixed it up later. And, and, and definitely just one of those bucket list things, you know, like you, where you don't expect it to do anything, but just like I want to get this out of my head and, and say I did this thing. Um, but yeah, the more that I wrote stories and more I collected stuff, I was like, there might be something here if I can find sort of a through line of, uh, you know, not even a message, but just how is this not a collection, just a collection of essays or a collection of stories? Can there be a thread here? And that kind of became like the impact that music can have on a person, uh, on their career trajectory, on even what they believe about creativity, what they think about God or a success. Like, I just realized that music had kind of like poked its way into like, everything that I had to like, as an adult, like think about and have opinions on in life <laughs> mm-hmm. that I could liken it back to music or a lesson that I learned because of a band or because of a tour or whatever. So I thought, man, like this thing is bigger than I even thought it was. <laughs> Does that make sure. sense? Yeah. Yeah. And so what was the first band that like, is it all people within the like pop punk emo realm? Like, it seems like at least from going off your yeah. like, Instagram photo posts, I mean, it's like, you've got pictures of, it's all like Anne Berlin and, you know, mm-hmm. yellow card and taking back Sunday and saves the day and all these type bands. Like, is it Atari's are, the, is it mm-hmm. all kind of those type of artists within the it's, book? It is. Yeah. It's a lot of that. Um, I kind of just ended up going like pretty chronological chronologically throughout my life where I started out, like I said, starting out kind of having in the church and getting into bands like, MXPX and um and then like pretty much once you discover tooth and nail it's like game over every I, yeah, I was that good that sure. if, yeah if it said tooth and nail on the album I did I just bought it bought it yeah yeah like you would know ne- you would almost never do that today um that's kind of like vagrant was you know those like yep. you know, sub vagrant records is like okay I'm gonna buy that <laughs> like, yep. it doesn't even after, matter <laughs> oh yeah after tooth and nail it definitely became vagrant today I would say maybe pure noise I check out everything oh sure yeah Victory when I was pure big noise. for me at the time yeah so it's uh yeah so I just I'm trying to remember what the question was oh where did I start <laughs> it's, it's a lot of those bands yeah um it, it, so yeah, it's, it definitely starts with a lot more of the maybe like more faith-based stuff. Um, and, and even just going back, like I said, to stuff like DC talk or newsboys to kind of where I discovered like, Oh, this is, you know, I don't know if you're too familiar with those bands, but like uh, some of that cheesy Christian music that we no, definitely... I, I, I know the name, I know all those names. I don't, okay. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, for those type of bands where I was growing up in San Diego, it was more like POD was a big one. Um, oh yeah. I mean, MXPX, obviously there's a band called Dogwood around yep. the town that was pretty doing things. Yep. Like those are the ones I, that I think of a switch. Okay. Obviously. Um, okay. So that's, yeah. that's good to know. Yeah. I, I forgot. Yeah. San Diego, obviously no switch, but POD. Um, yeah. Dogwood is huge. I had Josh on my podcast uh, like last year and I, oh, cool. Yeah. And it was such a funny, like, cause Dogwood, you know, doesn't, they do reunion shows and stuff, but I had such a like retroactive fanboy moment of like, I was so into your, like, let's just pretend I'm 13 and have this conversation. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, yeah. Like every band that you named, I think is, is certainly name dropped in there, but it kind of then graduates. Yeah. To, to the last uh, 10, 12 years of it being like all that warp tour scene. Um, I became managing editor at Substream Magazine, which is very Warped Tour centric. Oh yeah, um, I, I've no, I know the the name of that. Yeah, yeah. So I was there for a couple of years and, and freelance for them before that, and so yeah, I became very, very uh, 
it, it, it sounds weird to say, but when people are like, oh, what bands is it about? I, I'll say like Warped Tour bands. And I, I tend to think, you know what I mean, right? Like Warped Tour bands. <laughs> yeah, but it depends on what John, what year Warped Tour bands. You right, know? Is right. It, is it Thursday Warped Tour bands or is it, you know. Yeah. Katy whatever. Perry. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I saw Eminem at Warped Tour, to be honest. Oh, uh, I always, <laughs> I, I wasn't going to Warped. I remember when that happened, but I, I wasn't going like I wasn't consistently going at that time. It's so weird to think of seeing Eminem at Warp Tour. Yeah, I, I saw MGK. Blank, but... Blank was at Warp Tour that year. And it was like right before they Blank was the first show, the first band I ever saw live. And they're, you know, San Diego, my Blink poster here. But um, yeah. they played Warp Tour and it was like right when they I think the tour maybe started when um, Animal of the State came out. So it just became like they mm -hmm. just crazy yeah yeah it was crazy to see how many people were there to, just to see blink oh i bet yeah it's uh i i think being a part of some of these facebook groups and stuff now and having these kind of like old conversations about who was the best this or that has made me again like extra thankful for growing up during this time it's right it's so yeah it's so easy now and like you you reach your 30s and you see why your parents you know, like the joke of like kids music today. Cause I'm right. totally there now. Oh man. I know. Tell me about it. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, no, my, you know, like I was so lucky to grow up at the time that I did because ours was the best and you're never going to beat that. And which is very silly, but yeah, I think, uh, all, all of those bands for sure. And I, I'm regaining, uh, a thankfulness and a gratefulness for, for not only that era, but I think for what those bands, yeah, certainly taught me creatively and, and name dropping just became, as, as I wrote more of it, I was like, I'm going to get ahead of anyone that says, man, this book is just full of name drops. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and just, just go with, go with the joke of it all. So was it, is it just stories of encounters with these people? Like, I mean, who, like what, can you name five bands that are in the book? Yeah. Um, there's, there's whole, whole chapters or whole sections where like Amberlynn has their own chapter, pretty much August Burns Red, uh, MXPX saves the day dashboard. Uh, those would be like the major ones Thursday as well. Um, but like, yeah, so, so, so saves the day, for example, is like mm -hmm. the, is the, the chapter about saves the day, like seeing saves the day for the first time, like meeting Chris Connolly, like, what is it? Yeah. Tell? A little bit of everything. It's, it's just, it's like the, so yeah. Saves the day, for example, would be like the discovery of them. It was that same girl that gave me the dashboard CD that gave me stay what you are. Okay. Um, so I, I certainly want to explain some of the nostalgia of like, for one, like, remember when that was a thing? Remember when a friend burned you a CD and it changed your life? Sure. Um, so I want to touch on that stuff. But then having a, a lot of it, I feel like is full circle where it's just me being 15, receiving this album and having it change everything. And then fast forward to sitting in a hotel room with Chris and being able to like, you know, I did a podcast series with him where we just broke down each Shape Today album. Really? Um, That's amazing. Yeah. So I think I, I think I just, I'm, I'm very, I'm famous among my friends for downplaying everything that I do uh, music wise or not. And so uh -huh. I think the book became a little bit of an exercise of like, Hey, recognize that this is weird. Recognize that like you had a thing, you had a passion and now you're sitting here with this person uh -huh. and look at, and look at like the hard work and the steps you had to take to get there, you know? Sure. He was the very first person I interviewed for this podcast. Really? Finally. Yeah. <laughs> I love that dude so much. He's yeah. And I, and, and you could probably speak to this as well. I think there's so many, I've had so few negative experiences with the bands in this genre and this world where I just, I have rarely been disappointed. It's, it's usually been better than I thought. Yeah, actually I have never 
to come to think about it, I've never had an experience that I was like, wow, that was weird. Or like, I don't, you know, that put yeah. a taste in my mouth. Not once with any of the bands within the pop punk emo yeah. like genre. I think it's just, it's so, I don't know. It, it's cool. It's really it's, cool. It's not like, yeah. I feel like they didn't have like that. Like they're, they're bigger than any, you know, especially now with emo night and all that stuff, like the how much credit they are finally getting. But I feel like they weren't the arena bands. So I don't think right. they ever got that. Like they weren't like the Motley Crue where, you know, at one moment they signed to a major label and now they're playing, you know, the stable center or whatever. It was never that. It was like yeah. the grind was so long. And I don't feel like a lot of these, like a saves a day is a great example of a band that should be way bigger than they ever really were. As far as a fan base goes. Like, oh yeah. Well, I mean, and I, I have to think that band, like, even though like dashboard's huge, but dashboarder saves the day. I think they know that their fan base might be smaller, but their fan base is insanely loyal. Sure. Yeah. yeah the, the small number they do have is they're incredibly into it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not like they have a small number of fans, but it's not sure. like they, they would go out and have one record on and then now they're playing, you know, the biggest amphitheater in, in whatever right. in Nashville. It's like, yeah, they just, they have yeah. this, smaller group of super loyal people yeah well i know that um this was years ago now i don't, I don't know if this is still happening but chris conley told me that joe uh is it troman did i say his name from from fallout boy um oh the, yeah, yeah, yeah the the one that's not as famous as the other two from fallout boy uh, -huh. uh was working on a documentary about saves the day basically talking to other bands and stuff in that scene to basically be like this band influenced everybody that you know how come not as many people know them and i was like yeah like please oh, I hope that's that. interesting i think i think it's still happening it's probably i'm sure it's super delayed now but i chris told me that and i was like that's yeah because that's true every you every band you can think of would would say oh saves the day yeah because they were writing they they started with those really dark lyrics with the like very poppy <laughs> yep that was the first that's band good. i ever yeah, I ever heard like that where I was like, oh, this is so catchy. And then I'd read the lyrics and I'm like, oh, he murdered someone. Right. <laughs> <laughs> He's murdering right. a girl in his basement. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love this. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. Well, that's cool. So it's got different parts of the book, different interviews or like they're about your experiences with with these with these people. Yeah, I, I, I didn't have as many like I, I wish that I had more funny encounters uh there's certainly a few of them in there but i wish i had more just kind of like certainly things where i say something awkward or do something awkward yeah. and uh and think that it's hilarious like um i i was interviewing andrew mcmahon who everyone knows from something oh, corporate love him. yeah oh, i yeah. met him on my show he's such a great guy oh he's he's always so so nice um he I, so I did an interview with him. It was the tour he did with Panic and Weezer, this huge, huge tour. Uh -huh. And so we we finished the interview and I'm just kind of like making my way outside of his RV and his manager or somebody comes in and says, hey, are you ready for the meet and greet? Just so you know, only one person signed up. And he's like, oh, okay, that's fine. And I turn around and I go, it's me. I signed up. Oh, and really? Just, yeah. And it wasn't like I was just lying. Oh. <laughs> but for like a good like three, four seconds of just him like, oh, like, well, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but where the joke didn't land, you know, like right, I thought it was but, so funny. Just be like, I'm just going to turn right around and do yeah, the meet be, and be the meet and greet. I've, I thought you were being serious too. Like, oh, <laughs> wow, that's cool. 
and then I, yeah. And then I just spent an hour with him and then paid to meet him right after that. I thought right, right. that idea would be <laughs> so funny. And, but he was just like, Oh, Oh, okay. Like still really nice. About it. <laughs> yeah, sure. Oh, I'm sure, man. I'm sure there were more awkward moments that I didn't recognize. <laughs> right. <like that. laughs>